You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12 Man Solutions Limited. Hi there and welcome to episode 38 of the Exhibitionist Podcast. I'm your host, Nicola Reader, and as always, thank you so much for joining us. So today we're going to be talking to Laura Catalabra, who is the founder of Stress Matters, and Laura is going to give us some great help and advice about how to help ourselves and also each other as we all try and navigate these incredibly difficult times together. But before we get to that conversation with Laura, I just wanted to um, tell you about somebody else who I've been reading a lot of over the last few weeks, and that's a lady by the name of Dory Clark. That's D-O-R-I-E and then Clark. Now, Dory is a communication coach, entrepreneur, ex-journalist, um, done a whole range of things around kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurism um, and working with a strategy to help businesses. But actually, her na- latest newsletter when it came in this week really struck a chord with me because it opened with, week one, this is crazy and frightening. Week two, we need community. Let's set up a million Zoom calls. Week three, I bloody hate Zoom. And I kind of think maybe we're all in that stage now. I certainly am, where you start to get a little bit Zoom fatigued. When even my mum is ringing me at every opportunity for a Zoom call, I know it's probably gone a little bit too far. So I think maybe we're all looking ways for how we can connect and how we can stay in touch that aren't necessarily all focused around Zoom. And actually what Dory does really well is talk about building your tribe and ways that you can keep connected and build your tribe. So those people around you at this very difficult and challenging time who can help you and help you get through this, but then will also collaborate with and partner with you when we're out the other side and help you build a business. Um, So Dory Clark's website, um, she's got a lot of information, a lot of resources on there about reinventing, pivoting, that catchword at the moment. Um, But one of the quotes from the New York Times being that she's an expert of self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. So if you are in that position where you're thinking, okay, we probably need to do things slightly differently in the new world, even if it's the same product or the same uh, service, but I just want to offer it differently. Dory maybe just has a little bit of inspiration on her site that can help you think differently. There's a, a workbook that you can download for free that will help you set up a strategy for being able to pivot and change your business and, and build your own tribe. So that's doryclark.com. Um, I think she's a great speaker. I think she's some really valuable stuff. And, and as always, with any of the kind of people I mentioned, there'll be bits that work for you, bits that don't work for you, people you love, people you hate. So take it or leave it, but just thought, seeing though I've been spending a bit of time listening to Dory and reading her work, it might be useful to pass on to you guys. So on that note, I will hand over to our conversation with Laura, and here's hoping you get some hints and tips to help you manage your stress. So on this week's edition of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Laura Capel abra who is the founder of Stress Matters. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you for having me. And um, it seems like there is no better time that we could be talking about stress and how to manage it effectively when we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So a very timely intervention, a timely um, guest on our show this week. So thank you for joining us. Um, so Laura, before we get into talking about how, how we can all manage stress better in the current climate, just give us a little bit of a background about your experience, and your experience particularly in the events industry and um, how you've been working the last few years. Yeah, so I have been in the events industry since my early 20s, so quite a long time now, nearly 20 odd years, uh, probably 18 years. Um, And I very much was event agency side for a long time, and that 
took me through all the corporate um, conferences and dinners, but also um, public festivals, um, experiential as well. So I got to put my finger in lots of pies, which was lovely. Um, and I left the agency that I was running about four years ago now. Um, and at the time, I wasn't quite sure what it is I wanted to do. I'd had a bit of itchy feet in the sense that I had been in the role for five years and just wanted a change. Um, and then I kind of spent some time reflecting and there were a couple of things that had kind of happened that um, I really wanted to kind of look into. So when I'd been um, a senior account manager at an agency, at a different agency, I had what I now know is burnout. Um, so I had a really tough time for a long time um, and found myself in floods of tears all the time. And it all kind of came about because I wrote a budget um, with five different job titles on it. And I knew I'd be doing every single one of those roles. Um, and that just sunk in at that point And it, it wasn't so great. Um, so that had happened. Um, managed to kind of work through that, carried on in the events industry. Um, and then, as I said, just before I, I left my role as the managing director, a couple of my team members went off on sick leave with stress. And that really stood out to me that I thought, hang on, I'm a really nice person. I think I'm a nice person. Um, I've had this happen to me. How have I created an environment where somebody's going off on stress leave? Um, this doesn't feel right. Um, and so when I got to the kind of the end of my um, my stint in, in the agency, I thought, you know what, this is what I want to focus on. I want to try and make sure we have an environment in the events industry that everybody um, can work to their potential. Everybody feels happy, feels well, and employers are getting the best out of their teams. And and through that, it kind of led me down this um, kind of coaching development and well-being um, side of, of what I do now. And it's really interesting hearing you talking that way about that burnout and the kind of juggling multiple roles, because I know when we're working with exhibitors and we're doing training with them or project management, and we talk about being that one central person in, in your organisation that's the, the event manager, and it's a huge amount of responsibility, but you are stand designer, your comms manager, your people manager, um, your logistics manager, your customer manager, your sales manager, you kind of, you know, everything you can get other people to contribute to that. But actually, we sort of forget that as an event manager, that it's just such a broad spectrum of roles that you've got to do as part of that job. I think that's it. And I think um, it was always drilled into me quite a lot early on in my career that um, in that kind of role, you had to be the friendly, happy person at all times. Um, you couldn't be a bit grumpy at work because you needed to make that sale or you needed to make sure your team were okay, make sure that your suppliers were all comfortable working with you. Whatever it was, you had to always be the one that was in control um, and be the one that was confident. And I now know from doing all the work that we do now that actually that feeling um, or being told to feel in control and then feeling out of control is one of the biggest contributors um, to stress. And so in that event management role, you're supposed to be so responsible and in control of everything. Um, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why it's quite so um, so intense sometimes as a, as a job to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell me a little bit more about stress masses and the sorts of things that you get involved in these, day, these days and how you help people. Yeah, so um, we set up Stress Matters in, I think it was, well, I say this, we set it up in 2017. We didn't, we actually did some research in 2017 into stress in the events industry, um, uh, just actually purely out of interest. I'm a little bit of a geek around uh, numbers, and I just wanted to find out a little bit more about, about the industry and stress. Um, and we then put together a pledge scheme. 
Um, so the idea being was I was thinking about my role kind of as managing director. And actually what I thought back to was the fact that if somebody had said to me, these are the things you need to do to improve the well-being of your team, I'd have jumped on it. Um, but I suppose I probably just didn't have the headspace at the time to proactively think about things. So we created a pledge scheme so that companies or people like myself in that previous role would have some kind of framework to work towards to improve the well-being of their team. And we started doing all of this completely voluntary, <laughs> um, which now sounds crazy, but that's we were just so desperate to help as many people as possible. We started off doing it as a completely just side project and it's still a side project but um, we set it up as an organization um, about 18 months ago now um, and since then it's kind of dramatically um, kind of uh, grown in the sense of what we can help people with so we still run our reports still run our research and that's a really kind of important part of what we do so um, we run biennial research um, we get companies to run aud stress audits on their teams so they know the data for how they can support their team as well. So that kind of insights, that data piece is really important to us. Um, and we help other people see the importance of that too. And then the accountability um, is really important in terms of the pledge scheme and saying, if you're going to say to your team, we're going we're gonna to spend some time thinking about your well-being and then you don't do anything about it, that's pretty disheartening to hear. So making sure that if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Um, which I think is really important. And then the support side, we do lots of different things. So um, we help people on things like resilience and um, nutrition workshops and things like that. Uh, we also run mental health first aid um, training. And we're actually, um, we've been kind of seeding a campaign called Mental Health um, MHFA every event, because our belief is that, you know, we, as we all know, we have to have physical first aiders um, at all of our events, but currently there's no legislation or requirement or expectation that there'll be a mental health first aider. And we really believe that that person should be there or multiple people should be there. Um, and we've done various other things. We have wellbeing corners at a lot of the big industry events. So big kind of trade shows, we'll try and have a wellbeing corner there. So there's somewhere for um, event professionals to come and hide a little bit when it's all a little bit overwhelming seeing stuff. Um, we also run a program called Buddies Matter, which is um, a peer-to-peer -peer matching scheme. So we knew that lots of people in the industry are obviously freelancers. Um, and so our work is very much generally focused on helping change the culture um, in an organization to be more kind of pro-people well-being. Um, but also there's a huge amount of freelancers that needed support. So Buddies Matter came about to help freelancers but actually we found that to be honest it's people of all um, sides of the industry have joined the program to help each other um, and we've also um, recently launched a support line as well so we run a support line now um, for again people across the industry it doesn't matter what their kind of employment status is um, but the idea being that there's people at the end of the phone text whatsapp whatever kind of form people want to communicate in um, that have a little bit of an understanding about maybe what they're going through so they can have an empathetic ear but actually more importantly they can signpost to um, the really important resources that are out there um, that will be able to help that person even more. Wow, I mean, you've covered everything there from kind of helping business, big businesses and supporting their teams through to kind of individuals in teams or individuals out on their own. And it's just a fantastic resource. So um, we'll talk a lot more over the next uh, sort of few minutes, but everybody needs to go check out the Stress Masters website and just see exactly everything that's happening there and the support that you can get. We're an incredibly friendly industry. Um, sometimes we're just not so good about talking about the things that are a bit difficult. So definitely get, get over to your website and, and check that out. So 
at the moment, though, it feels like staring um, the big elephant in the room. It is a really, really anxious time for everybody. And um, from a health perspective, from caring about our loved ones, from a professional perspective, wondering about um, are, are our businesses going to survive, to our venues, thinking it's amazing that they're hospitals, but at some point we've got to go work there again. And that's quite and that's quite an anxious thought. So what are some of the symptoms that all of us might be feeling at the moment that maybe we don't even realise are stress, but we'll all be feeling the same thing? I think I think you're completely right. I think the word anxious there is a really important one. So whether or not you kind of um, understand the word anxious in your body, you might feel worried. So if people feel worried um, about, yeah, about loved ones, about their health, about financial security, you know, some of us um, are having events cancelled, events postponed, potentially furloughed, potentially made redundant. Um, you know, all these different things that are happening are going to put a stress on our finances. So if we're worrying about that um, and it's maybe keeping us up at night, um, that's the kind of thing we might see. Also, those people that are um, potentially not working at the moment and um, that kind of sense of, of loss of purpose. I think we've got so many enthusiastic, passionate people in this industry that it really becomes a part of your identity. I've kind of essentially moved out of the events industry. I haven't organized an event for a long time, but I, I still associate myself with this industry far more than anything to do with stress and coaching. Um, and I think it's, it becomes such a big part of people's identity that if you get told you can't organize an event and that's who you are, that's a really tough thing to kind of get your head around about what is it you should be doing every day. Um, I think the feeling of loneliness, um, people might feel a sense of that as well. Um, you know, we're in a in an environment where we're in lockdown and, and social distancing. And for those that live um, on their own, that's obviously a very, very big change, particularly in an industry where we're very, very people focused um, and feel full of quite a lot of sociable people. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people that feel potentially quite lonely. But even those people that are in a house full of people, you can still feel lonely um, when there's people around you. So making sure that actually you give yourself a little bit of a break that actually you can feel lonely and there's people around you. So essentially anything that doesn't feel normal um, quite often is a sign of stress. So I know that I wake up at four o'clock in the morning if I get stressed and I've been doing that a lot recently um, because actually, as you say, it's a really stressful time and we all have a different reaction to stress. So as I say, my what I would call a stress signature is um, waking up at four o'clock in the morning um, my, um, my other half, his is, um, a really tense neck, um, and really kind of tight muscles. Um, and everybody will have, um, a different kind of combination of things that happen to them when they get stressed. And so it's just trying to pick out those changes in your, um, either the way you feel physically or even the way you're thinking, um, emotionally about things. It's really interesting to hear you talk about how people are very different and people have those different stress trigger, tr triggers. And I think in the event industry, a classic interview question is, how do you cope under pressure? And everyone goes, oh, brilliant coping under pressure, because that's what we all do, those last minute deadlines, that magic 12 hours before show doors open, all of that. We're all brilliant at pulling things out of the fire and making it happen. And actually, a lot of us thrive on that, and that's what makes us really good. But so a lot of people have said to me, oh, yeah, I'm great under pressure, I'll be fine during this lockdown, I'll be fine during the pandemic, because I cope with stress, I'm great. But actually, this could feel quite different and maybe people don't understand why this is a different type of stress than, than the event stress. Yeah I think that's it and I think you brilliantly use the different words pressure and stress there um, and I think people use them quite interchangeably a lot um, in the wrong way and I think you use them brilliantly there so um, we we are under pressure a lot in the events industry so we are under time pressure 
um, budget pressure, for example. But yeah, when that show's opening, we're under a time pressure. We have to get things ready by then. And that can create adrenaline in us. Um, and actually that can really spur us on. So those people that work well under pressure, they probably do. Actually, they they get that sense of enthusiasm and extra energy and that final push that they need to get all that work done. The problem is, is when that tips over. So you can still be the kind of person that works well under pressure, but actually when that pressure becomes so much and you don't have any coping strategies in place, that's when it can tip over um, into that stress area. Um, so I think the reason to your question about why um, now is different, I think, you know, for anybody that's been working in events for a long time, and even to an extent, those new people in the industry, you know, there's going to be an end point. When that show opens, it's, it's, it's either opening or let's be honest, it always opens, the show will open um, and um, it'll get done behind the scenes if it's not quite done then. And, and we'll make it work and the, and the show always ends. And I think the, the issue that we have with... Um, with what's going on at the moment is we don't know when it's going to end. Um, and so we, we don't know when it's going to end. And depending on how um, close you feel to the people that you work with or the people that you live with, for example, there's maybe a sense of lack of um, collaboration. Quite often, again, in events, like it's that kind of final 12 hours before the show, um, you know that there's a deadline, but also you're working with other people to get something done. And actually, if you take those two things away, it's a very different environment. So if you don't have that concept of, well, it will be over at this point, because that thing, nobody knows at the moment how long this is going to go on for. Um, and so there's that kind of not knowing. And as I said earlier about that control, we, we like being in control. Um, and we don't feel in control if we don't know when something's going to end. Um, but also, we're not necessarily collaborating um, in terms of, coming up with a solution. Now, what I think has been amazing across the industry is about people collaborating and doing the incredible things that have been happening across the industry, but I mean on a much more micro level um, in terms of working um, towards knowing that you could fix it. We can all help and we can all collaborate on the kind of the grand stuff that we can do to help the nation at the moment, but actually on a micro level, that's that's actually a bit more challenging for people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, use the word inevitable it's, it's kind of it is inevitable that we're all going to feel under pressure and feel stressed at the moment about different things but are there any tips or techniques or things that we can practically be doing ourselves to try and either delay that stress you know try and put ourselves in a good position ready for when we feel stressed and then when we're actually feeling that stress what can you do to help yourself manage some of those symptoms um, I think it comes down a lot to self-awareness, which um, I know is easy to say, and some of us have it and some of us don't, but it's a good time for everyone to work on it. Um, when uh, you spend the time thinking about your um, relationship with stress, you start to uncover quite a lot. So a lot of people, when I speak to them and ask them what their stress symptoms are, they don't actually know to start off with. A lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. And then when they spend a little bit of time thinking about it, they go, oh, actually, this happens. Oh yeah, I grind my teeth sometimes in bed or whatever it is. They'll think of things that they hadn't really connected to stress before. So I think the first thing is starting to understand what your own stress symptoms are, because they're your, they're your little signals. That's your body's way of telling you, hold on, you're, you're stressed. So I think really understanding what your reaction to stress is and being really honest with what the potential things that are causing you stress are. So actually, for me, um, work is obviously a, a concern. Actually, one of my biggest concerns at the moment is my 90-year-old grandfather. Um, he's in that vulnerable category. So it's actually kind of a personal health um, or family health um, thing that's probably more of a stress for me. But that will be different for every person. So acknowledging to yourself what it is that's actually causing you the stress 
um, is really important. And the third thing is the coping strategies. So um, thinking about what you do that makes you feel good. Um, so what makes you feel that little bit more relaxed? And again, that's different for everybody. So I know for me that if I can go for a run, that really helps me. Um, I'm not a good runner, but I know that that half an hour I'm panting around the local street, um, that helps me um, de-stress a little bit. I know that actually um, just spending some time on my own is a really good thing for me as well. And everybody will have different coping strategies. Some people it's reading, some people it's listening to music, whatever it is. Um, and knowing what they are for you as well are really important. So if you know what your um, stress symptoms are, you know what's causing you stress, and you know what you do to reduce your stress, you can then start putting in a plan into place. So to kind of help to help us obviously in the moment, but also to help us going forward, so we get less stress going forward, is to have a really solid set of coping strategies in place. So we quite often talk about them as kind of macro and micro. Um, so macro coping strategies might be um, full kind of lifestyle approach. So are you the kind of person that um, will have a very healthy lifestyle? How much do you drink? How much do you smoke, if at all? How much do you eat? Like, what do you eat? All of those things. Um, but then there's micro strategies that will help you in the moment. So, for example, doing a breathing technique or um, closing your eyes and stretching, for example. There's lots of different things that would help you kind of overall on that big level um, and these small little things that we can do you know jumping 10 star jumps whatever it is in that moment that helps you uh, reduce a little bit of stress and so the more we can understand those things the more we can build them into our everyday as part of our kind of day-to-day -day habits um, that builds up our resilience and that's what helps us with our stress levels. Yeah and I think it's important so important I think from hearing you talk about you know work out what's right for you and also kind of just pick your brains a little bit here in, in the podcast earlier this week I was talking about you know what, actually at the moment if you don't feel like doing something don't force yourself to do it it's a really strange time it feels like things are out of control like you, you can't get done the things you want to do and actually if some days you wake up and go I'm just no good for work today then kind of don't push yourself is, is that right is that is that the best thing you can do is give yourself some time off Totally. So actually, there are, uh, we run a program called Thrive Not Survive at the moment, which is a weekly webinar and, and some kind of blogs and support services. And um, we've got five areas that we talk about. One of them um, is energy um, and being aware of your energy throughout the day. And it's going to be different because those people that are extroverts get their energy from other people. And you might not be seeing as many other people now. So your energy is going to be impacted. Movement. We obviously can't do as much uh, movement or exercise as we are. So actually making sure we build that in. Um, connection as well. Um, so thinking about how you um, connect with other people, um, the rhythm or routine of your day, but the fifth one is kindness. So you're completely right. And when we talk about kindness, we talk about kindness to ourselves and to other people. So we've just got to be kind to ourselves because it is a global pandemic. You know, nobody's gone through this before. So actually how we can't determine whether or not we should be reacting in a certain way. Um, so if we think we should be um, in control or we should be able to work for 12 hours a day, that's a load of rubbish. We There's no should about it. Actually, you can if you can. And if you can't, you can't. Um, and so it's actually being kind to yourself to say, look, this is unprecedented. Um, nobody knows how to deal with this situation. I'm doing the best I can and I'm doing the best I can today. And that might be very different to what I can do tomorrow. I love that sentiment. I'm doing the best I can today. And as long as 
kind of all of us are in that position of just like, do you know what? Some days my, my best is going to be very different and more productive than it is on another day. And that, that at the moment is absolutely fine. So yeah. um, just picking up on your kind of be kind, I also wanted to ask you, how about, how can we help each other in the industry? Do you think? How do we come together and support each other at this time? Just my favorite question is just ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? It's the question that we can all ask everybody. And it's kind of that fundamental, the Buddies Matter program that we run is just saying to people, checking in is what we refer to it. It's like, how can you check in with people? You know, I um, I had a lovely message the other day from somebody um, that I used to work, to work with that I haven't spoken to for four years. Um, just checking in. I had, um, in fact, I had a message yesterday from somebody based in China saying, oh, I hear things are now um, getting really bad in the UK. How are you doing? And that warmed my heart. So get that message from somebody who was in a, in a place where they've had a load of trouble as well. Um, reaching out and thinking about me was, was really touching. And I think actually one, um, it goes back to that kindness thing. One, it's nice for you to reach out um, to somebody else and just check in on them um, because they may be having a really tough time and they may want to talk to um, talk to somebody. But also it's kind the other way as well. You know, as I say, actually it's a really lovely feeling that somebody else is thinking about you. So I think the biggest thing we can do is just check in with people. Um, you know, some people are going to seem fine but maybe not be um, be fine because that's their personalities. They want to kind of put into a certain kind of personality out there. Um, but I think we'll also find that we'll, we're probably going to learn a lot more about our colleagues' um, personal lives um, <laughs> in the next uh, in the next few weeks. So, you know, we've all had a really good insight into everybody's bedrooms and studies <laughs> from the, uh, Zoom calls, but um, we're also probably a little bit more aware of their family life now. Um, and actually those people with children that are trying to homeschool, those people that have got elderly relatives maybe that they're caring about, um, all of the different um, kind of impacts that we might be having on our day-to-day we might not know them unless we ask. So actually just asking those questions, like, how are you doing? You know, if they have got kids, how are you finding homeschooling? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just having a little bit of empathy towards people that, um, you know, we might just have quite a transactional relationship with sometimes, but going that extra, you know, five words in a message, however many words it is in a message, just to find out how they're doing, I think is one of the biggest things we can do right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when somebody does ask you that kind of, how are you doing, check in, um, now more than ever, it's okay to say, Do you know, actually, I'm not doing so great. Because so often we just go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, really good. And know that actually we're not, we're dealing with a million things where actually now you have all the license in the world to go, do you know what, no, I'm not so good, actually. Thanks ever so much for reading because I just need to get this off my chest for a minute. And so just just talk, see that as your opportunity. Somebody's asking because they genuinely care. Exactly. And, and that's exactly the thing is we always say that um, whenever we're running a stress workshop, one of the first things we always get everyone to do is turn around to the person next to them, ask them how they're doing. Um, and we get them to do that for a good two or three minutes because we always say, you know, how many times do you ask that question when you walk into the office or walk on site? Like, how are you doing? And you just kind of walk past and you just expect people to say, I'm fine. Um, and as you say, completely rightly, that actually we're not always fine. And particularly at the moment, we're probably not fine as well. And so having somebody that's going to take that extra little one minute, two minutes just to hear what you're what you're saying and hear how you are doing will go a really, really long way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, within the current climate and the, the current situation we're facing, how do you see the events industry kind of responding? Are you hearing that lots of people are feeling much more stressed? You, you know, obviously there's lots of work. We are people working together and lots of content, lots of webinars, lots of people saying, how can I help you? What can we do? But 
how does it feel to be working in the events industry at the moment? What are you hearing? Um, I think people are going through different emotional stages. So I think we're in a slightly different stage now to what we were a couple of weeks ago. So I think um, there was probably quite a lot of denial um, quite close to the beginning. Um, a lot of people kind of postponing an event by a month, for example, you know, kind of, kind of a, a sense of denial um, and then kind of going through the emotions, sense of anger and frustration. Um, and I think we're in that stage now where people are kind of coming together. They're trying to come up with solutions. They're trying to work to each other. And some people are now already starting to think about what's that future so actually, how can I pivot what we do, um, postpone it to the point, but actually we're not necessarily just going to postpone, we have to change what we're doing slightly to take into account um, changes that have happened around us. How can we move um, forward in this kind of different um, different world? And I think it's been incredible, as I said before, about how um, the, the kind of the industry has come together um, and the kind of the amazing things that, that people are doing. Um, but I do think there's a, a sense of... Um, personal worry you know we hear a lot obviously we th um, hear through the support line through the buddies matter program when people feed back to us why they want to become a buddy for example and even if we're doing a webinar we very um we never often get questions in the webinar um yeah. because still there's that sense of people don't really want to talk about it then but it's lovely and heartwarming how many emails we get afterwards just saying i'm going through this or you know this is really tough for me you know whatever it is um and wanting to talk to somebody about it so i think there's that coming together as an industry um but the which is that kind of collaboration piece but i think on a personal level people are still just finding their feet um and as i said because we don't know when it's going to end um we're not going to be in control at all. So we can control what we do every day, but we can't think that far in the future because we just don't know. So I think there's that kind of sense of community in the, the wider piece, um, but there's still that sense of kind of um, a little bit of fear, nervousness, worry in um, on the kind of an individual level. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're so right about that kind of early denial of organisers thinking, yeah, well, by the summer it will be through this and we'll be able to have events and everyone will be hugging again and now we're kind of at April and thinking, oh, yeah, actually rescheduled till June. I think maybe that's not going to happen now. And what does that mean if you move it to autumn? Can you have another version of it in the spring? Or so, you know, all those kind of problems that we sort of thought might be over quite quickly now feel a little bit longer term. And it does feel as though, as an industry, we're starting to think longer term and think about the role that virtual and digital comms might play in sort of bridging, bridging the gap. Um, so you mentioned your um, support line uh, just as we were speaking then, and I talked about it in the podcast uh, last week or, or week before. So tell me a little bit more about the um, mental health first aid um, support line that you have set up specifically for the events industry and how people get in touch if they do want to talk to someone. So um, in essence, it's... Um, uh it's a support line that we set up because, as I said, we felt that um, whilst we had the buddy system there for people that um, might want to um, speak to somebody in the industry as a general chat in terms of catching up on things, what we were really conscious of that were people that um, needed probably a little bit more support. I wanted to have a little bit more of a personal conversation. So um, we approached um, a number of associations um, and a number of organisers and people to try and um, generate some funding for putting together a support line. We didn't get as much funding as we needed. Um, so we're still kind of going for that. And the intention of that behind that would be that it becomes a 24 hour um, uh, support line with trained counselors and nurses on um, all times. 
because that's a way away and we obviously at this point had um, the situation of COVID right kind of in front of us in the middle of it everything like that um, we knew we needed to do something quickly so what we did was we put together the support line with people from the industry who are mental health first aid trained so what that means is um, there's an organization called Mental Health First Aid England who have this incredible vision of training one in ten people in mental health first aid and it is exactly what it sounds like so uh, where we many of us will be physical first aiders um a mental health first aider is that person that can um either spot signs um, and symptoms in other people and approach them and maybe kind of say that they're concerned um or is hopefully a person that other people might feel comfortable being proactive to and saying hey you know i don't feel great at the moment um and one of the kind of the key things is that they are trained to listen non-judgmentally so we all, um, you know, it's a real natural thing for us to have an opinion on what somebody says. And particularly in the events industry, we want to fix it. That is, uh, that is what we like, fixing problems. Um, and mental health first aiders are trained to um, listen non-judgmentally. And whilst they're there to support and give information, they're not there to just fix you and say, oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, it's all about kind of understanding that this is really real to that person at the time. Um, and then they also do a lot of signposting into professional support services. Services, whether or not that's the GP, um, therapists, um, um, other support programs that might be available. Um, and so um, somebody that would contact the support line would essentially end up speaking to somebody that's trained in that. Um, and it might be that it's a kind of five um, you know, five messages back and forth and actually it's just directing them straight away to um, another program that might help them or um, uh, the GP, for example, and just giving them the confidence that actually that kind of thing is something you can go and talk to a GP about. So go for it. Because people quite often think um, GP is for physical health and don't necessarily connect it to, to mental health as well. Um, and sometimes it's a far longer um, conversation and actually somebody just needs somebody to talk to. Um, and actually those people then can just have that ear um, at the end of a phone um, or if it's written, if they prefer texting as well, um, just to have somebody that they can kind of let it all out to. Um, because I think that's the thing. If we if we hold on to those kind of concerns and those worries and that kind of fear um, fear that we might have in us, um, it kind of it can start to eat us up. So actually, being able to get that out, and that's what we find is that people want to just sometimes talk to somebody else um, physically, um, obviously physically, you know, over the phone yeah. rather than face to face. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to get in touch with you via your helpline, what are the details for that? Yep, so the number is 07481 Um, and the number can be WhatsApp, text, um, or email or emails or phoned. Um, and we've deliberately kind of put different um forms of communication in there so that people that do feel comfortable picking up the phone, then that's great for them. But we know there's a number of people that feel a little bit nervous still about talking to somebody. Um, so actually being able to WhatsApp or text them um, feels more comfortable for them. And the way the program works is um it essentially comes through to, to our hub. We then assign it to, to a volunteer. Um, and that conversation happens and it's completely confidential. You know, you know, we ask for somebody's name, um, but just because it's nice to know the name of somebody when you're talking to them. So, you know, you know, hi, I'm Laura. There doesn't need to be surnames or, you know, business uh, details or anything like that. Um, but the, re the only reason we ask for a name is just so it's a friendly kind of conversation um, in that point. So, um, yeah, so that's how um, it's, a, it's a mobile number. So what we're saying to everybody at the moment is just put it in your phone. Um, you might not need it now. 
that's fine. Don't don't worry about, you know, thinking, oh, I, I don't need the support line. It's fine. I'll forget about it. We're saying, please don't forget about it. Put the number in your phone so it is there whenever you need it. Um, and even if you don't need it, you can share that contact to somebody else if they need it. So what we're doing at the moment is very much trying to get everybody to put it in their phones, make sure they have that number if they need it. Um, and then the team are already there for, for those people that are contacting. Um, but actually, it's much more about just making sure everybody has that comfort that there's somebody that would listen if they do want to talk. Brilliant. And we'll put all of the, the details of how to get in touch on the, on the, the website as well when we, we um, put the podcast out. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today, Laura. It's been brilliant to hear about everything that you're doing, but equally um, how people can get help, which I'm sure we're all in need of at the moment and just in need of a chat. So um, hopefully lots of people will now feel much more comfortable about contacting yourselves and, and your organisation for help. So the last thing we are all asking all of our guests at the moment, what is keeping you going during lockdown? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you doing? What's keeping you going? Oh, what the thing I am watching is Tiger King. Have you seen oh, that? Another one. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that I have. I don't think. It, I think it's been a long time since I watched a TV program that I've wanted to stay up throughout the night just power watching it uh, so Tiger King was amazing and I'm a little bit disappointed I've now finished it um <laughs> but uh yeah Tiger King I do quite a lot of reading anyway so um I've always got we in fact we we kind of work on a book club as well so we've got lots of recommendations um of that kind of generally um for me uh as I said before I do quite a lot of running um I try one of the things I'm doing more now than I ever probably used to before is doing stretching in the middle of the day um, because just not, you know, moving from one room to another doesn't really kind of give me the energy I need. So doing a lot of stretching. Um, I, uh, we, I, we went uh, away a while ago and I bought a jigsaw. Um, and that has also become a new OAP style pastime for me. So in my uh, late thirties, I've suddenly become somebody that does jigsaws, um, <laughs> but I really enjoy it. So, so get yourself a thousand piece jigsaw and that'll keep you going for a good four or five days. <laughs> well, it keeps me going for that long anyway. Um, and then speaking to a lot of friends and family, I've spent a lot of evenings in, um, uh, doing kind of dinner, virtual dinner parties. And the last couple of weekends, we've had virtual brunches and stuff as well. So I try to kind of do all the things that I would normally do, but maybe just do them a little bit more um, and a little bit more frequently, um, just so that you've got um, some kind of sense of normality for when we go back to whatever the new world is going to be in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've been resisting Tiger King. I think you're the third podcast guest now who said to us, oh man, I'm keeping going watching Tiger King. And it's all over social media and I've been like, I'm not going to watch it, but maybe, maybe my time. You've got to watch so. it. Yeah. We also watched the Louis Theroux uh, documentary ah, we did yes. like yeah, nine yeah. years ago. We watched that last night because we needed a bit of an extra fix because Tiger King <laughs> We managed to track it down on iPlayer and watch that. So even when you finish Tiger King, you can go back and have a little bit more of him in the Louis Theroux uh, documentary. So you don't resist anymore. Just That's it. I've got to attention. give into it now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. It's been such a great chat. And um, I'm just going to say uh, my, my absolute uh, best regards to Laura for keeping going during that interview when... We are fil- oh, recording this late afternoon. I think it's about five o'clock, quarter past five now. And we have a glass fronted office and the sun is pouring in. And gradually, as the conversation's gone on, it's got to look more and more like Bohemian Rhapsody video as everything behind me goes black and there's just this little white face peering out at Laura. It's very, really quite spooky for her, I'm sure, at the other end of the video camera. So I'm really sorry that the sun's doing what it is because it, 
it does look like the Hibby Rhapsody at the moment, but I didn't want to break your flow and move. So I <laughs> thank you. It looks fantastic. <laughs> Proper spotlight on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I'm not that kind of precious. I've not got some like amazing spotlights or you know, studio lighting around me. It, it is just the sun through the glass. So apologies for that and well done for keeping going. So thank you so much, Laura. And um, good luck with everything you're doing over the next few weeks and months. I know you'll help loads of people in the industry. And um, maybe when we through all this, I'm coping with different pressure which is the how do we get all this work done pressure maybe we need to come back and help us with that as well i'd love to thank you so much for having me i've had a really lovely time so thanks there to laura for her time and giving us all that advice and help on how to manage our own stress levels and those around us and if you're wanting any of laura's details or that helpline number please do get in touch and we will share those with you so that's it for us for this week. You can find all our latest news and information on the website www.inspiringexhibitors.com and also subscribe to the newsletter there where we'll be keeping you up to date with everything that we're doing. Even if you've been furloughed at the moment, you can still do training. So don't forget the Exhibitionist book and Project Manager Journal are both available on the website and that's a great way to take a couple of hours out, sit in the garden in the beautiful sunshine work through the project manager journal in conjunction with the book and by the end of it you will have a blueprint that is very specific to your business and the event that you might want to run when we come out the other side of this situation so um, those are both available on the website for you now in the next episode of the podcast we are going to be talking to tim christian who uh, is at project four who's going to give us a different perspective on live events and why it's not enough just to move your live event into a webinar and think that you've done the job on a digital event. So he's going to be giving us some other things to think about when you're pulling together those live events digitally, which I know a lot of people are working on at the moment. So thanks for listening again this week. Stay home, stay safe. Our very best wishes to everybody and happy exhibitioning. Pop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts keeping you up to date with industry insights. While there, you can also find out more about the exhibitionists, inspiring trade show excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.